Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. We, uh, again, have been trying to answer this question uh, in this study that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Uh, A question that I think is so vital, we've said this many times before, uh, because this question answers uh, where we are going to spend eternity, uh, essentially. Essentially, when we answer the question, uh, beginning at who Jesus is to us, uh, we know that there uh, are only two paths that mankind travels on in this life. And so again, knowing the answer to that question determines which path that we're on, essentially. Um, again, there's a lot more to that, but that's essentially what the case is. Jesus himself said there's two paths. One path is narrow, and it leads to everlasting life. Everyone who's put their trust in Jesus Christ alone, again, who he is to them, Savior, Lord, uh, is on that narrow path. Those who have rejected or not accepted, not trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord, is on that second path. Only two paths. The second path, Jesus very clearly said, was a broad path that leads to destruction. And so again, this is why this, this question is so important. To, to live uh, in, in eternity in a, in a hell is, is unfathomable for us. But many people choose that path because they reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Um, and again, that's a hard thing for uh, people to, to come to. And people may think, well, that's kind of ostracizing. Two paths, one leads to life, one leads to destruction. Uh, But when we consider this truth, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person has sinned and nobody deserves goodness. I heard an argument this week uh, and it was a a college student debating with a a professor. uh, And he was basically an apologist, which means defending the faith. And this, this young man was a professing atheist. And uh, he got to uh, this, this professor asking him these questions and uh, trying to pin him down. And, say, and this was his argument. I believe that all of mankind is inherently good. That all of mankind inside of themselves, they want to do good and be kind to other people. And, um, and so the professor asked him, well, what about Hitler or Stalin? And he said, well, I think it was inside them to want to be kind and want to be good, but something just changed. Something, something changed, and they wanted to... He said, no, it, it, the professor said, no, the, the people who didn't align with what they were demanding or who they weren't, so, or, you know, wasn't who they wanted them to be, they killed them. You know, that, that's, that's the way it happened. Um, and again, the argument that man is inherently good not only holds no water and its rationale and its evidence, but also very clearly, God's word says that there is none righteous, no, not one. Amen. None of us deserve goodness. All of us, because we are sinners, deserve correction, deserve judgment, deserve destruction. Uh, but that's where God's amazing love is, if you want to call it ostracizing, you can, but it's not. God's amazing love is saving The fact that he sent his only son, extending that grace to us who didn't deserve it so that we could be saved is amazing. It's amazing. And again, it seems less ostracizing and more overwhelming once you come to that place that God would love sinners like us 
sinners who have had the thoughts that we've had, who have done the things that we've done, the fact that God would love us and save us, not, not just because he could, he could do that and save us, but the fact that he came and he died in our place. He, he paid the price for what we deserve to pay, but he did it for us. He died in our place and he rose again so that we could be with him eternally. And again, that's not ostracizing, that's including. That's inclusive. That is God saying, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. God did everything that it took for us to be saved. He did everything that was necessary. He did it on our behalf. And again, that is amazing love. That's amazing grace. So we've been taking this journey with Jesus and we've been learning of him throughout scripture. And again, hopefully for everyone to answer that question, who is he to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he, is he your savior and your Lord because he can't be one without the other? Or is he just some God, is some, some, the man upstairs? Because again, that's the difference between, or is he someone who you uh, religiously have a connection with, but you don't have a personal relationship with? Again, that's the difference between an eternity, uh, on a broad path that leads to eternal destruction and a narrow path in this life that leads to life everlasting. This morning, very important, very important uh, things that we're going to see again. So I want to pray and get into it and see what God has. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us clarity in this, in this life. There's so many things that can cloud our minds, so many things that can clutter up our lives, and, and we can get so confused. We can get so busy. We can get so uh, distracted. And, and God, your word is just very clear. You give it to us very plain. And Lord, while there's such great wisdom and depth and, and, and mystery even in your word, you still make it very clear for us. And, and I thank you for that. Thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to come this morning and the uh, time that we've already had in Sunday school and, and worship through song and giving. And now, Lord, as we come to your word and we approach you, Lord, we ask that uh, you would speak to us, and that you would fill us with what is necessary, and that we would receive your word. And God, if there is somebody here this morning that's on that broad path, God, they've, maybe they've had a religious connection to you. They just, they just go to church, or they just try to be good, or uh, they've, they've tried to turn over new leaves, but they know in their heart of hearts, God, that they've never surrendered their life to you. They've never entered into a personal relationship with you through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, maybe they're here this morning, they've never realized how much you love them, the fact that you, you died in their place for their sin. Maybe someone's not ever understood that or realized that. God, if there's someone here like that, I pray they would leave this place having surrendered their life to you, entered into a relationship with you, saved on their way to heaven for all of eternity. I pray they wouldn't leave in that same way. And for us who are saved, God, those of us who have placed our life in your hands, those of us who have a relationship with you, I pray that we'd be challenged, that we'd be convicted, that we'd be encouraged, whatever's necessary, wherever we're at, I pray that you would accomplish that and we'd be connected to you, Lord, now. In Jesus' name we ask all this. Amen. In Luke chapter 11, you know, we just saw Jesus taught his disciples about prayer, the importance of prayer. We saw those things last week so so vital about having uh, that connection to God faithfully in prayer. And now, right after Jesus spends time, uh, after he spent time with the Father, teaching his disciples to pray, all of that we see, surprisingly, there comes this attack on Jesus. And not surprisingly. And I say that, the, the reason why is because know this, and you've heard me say this before, if you determine that you're going to be more devoted to the Lord, you're going to be more connected to God, and say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to start praying more. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start really seeking God. I'm going to get close to God. Don't be surprised when the enemy's attacks come full force. 
Just know they're going to come like that. So, you know, I'm going to be more, I'm going to be more committed in the church. I'm going to start serving more. I'm going to be more faithful. I'm going to, I'm going to start doing this. And just know he's going to come at you at your job. He's going to come at you through your family. He's going to come at you personally. He's going to come every way he can to try to get you off that course, to try to get you off getting closer to the Lord. And the reason why is what we're about to see in just a second. Because uh, if he can divide, if he can, if he can separate, if he can do those things, um, then he can start to weaken what God has, has set up. Not that he can weaken God, but again, attacking us and weakening that cause. So in verse 14 of chapter 11, it says this, And when he was casting out a devil, uh, and it was dumb. I'm sorry, he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb, and, uh, or mute. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, and the dumb spake, and the people wondered. Again, Jesus has done this. It's nothing uh, unusual about what's going on in his ministry so far. Uh, but in this area here in Bethany, that these people were just amazed. Again, he, he is doing these things that are beyond uh, normalcy, beyond the natural. These are supernatural things being done by this man over and over and over again. And the Bible says this in verse 15, but some of them said, some of them, again, Jesus just healed this person. This, this, this evil spirit comes out of the man and this should be something that everybody rejoices over, that everybody's in awe and wonder of, man, praise God, you see this person. I mean, a miracle delivered. This is amazing. But look, again, verse 15, those three words, some of them. And we, you can read on and see what they're saying. We'll get there in just a second. But I want to say this before we get there. When you're prayed up, when, you're, when you are seeking God's face, when you're walking in fellowship with the Lord, when you're truly at a place where you're sincerely, not only seeking, but you're sincerely serving God, I want to tell you this. Don't let the sum of thems, don't let the sum of thems keep you from moving forward in that. Amen. Don't let the sum of thems come along and say something that derails you from going that right direction or in that right course. Don't let the sum of thems do that. Because I promise you this, you can mark it down, you can write it down, you can underline it in your Bible, the enemy will always make sure there are some of thems in your life whenever you do that. He will make sure that it's there. When you're truly trying to serve God in sincerity, again, when you get to that place and you say, I, I want to pray more, I want to I read more, I want to be closer to God, I want to witness more, I, I want our family to be more involved, I want to I be more faithful. When you determine that, you say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do, God, I know this is right, this is where I'm going. Know that there, there are going to be some of thems there. And you heard me say it before, you know, sadly, at times it can be those, some of them's inside your house. And, and I'm not saying that, remember who the enemy is. The Bible says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, principalities and powers. It's not about the, the, the people. The enemy is using people. But inside the house, sometimes it's, it's, you know, well, why are you wanting to do that? Why do we have to start doing that? Well, I don't like this. Maybe that is, it's, it's at work. Maybe it's a close friend. Maybe it's, it's someone like that who says, you know what? This, this doesn't make sense, or this is not good. But look what the, some of them have to say about Jesus' work. Just healed a man, did something great, but some of them said, he cast out devils through Beelzebub, the chief, or Baal, Zebub, uh, the chief of the devils, and others, there you go, others tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. So here's the second freebie in this. We haven't even got to point one yet. But this second freebie right here. Not only will the enemy make sure that some of them are there to, to cast criticism or to try to derail or distract, 
But he will also make sure that there are others, others who are there and think that it's never good enough. It's never good enough. Now, I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not talking about pastors or mentors or spiritual leaders or people that are trying to urge you and push for excellence or service, devotion, surrender to God. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about those who are critics, instruments that Satan is using to come along in your life and try to discourage you, try to distract you, try to destroy you in that course. They're going to be there. Some of them are going to be there and others are going to be there. You just got to know there's going to be people that are going to say things about what you're doing when you're doing it out of the sincerity of your heart. And there are going to be others who come along and try to knock you off that path and criticize what you're doing and why you're doing it. They're going to be there. Know this. Know this. Again, mark it down, underline it, highlight it. Know when you determine to become more devoted to God, when you determine to, to serve God in sincerity, when you are trying to do God's work with the right heart, just know these people are going to be there just like they were there with our Lord. Again, this is God in the flesh. Jesus is facing this. And so we know if the world hated, uh, hates us, know that it hated him first. Know that the enemy is going to use them. But again, there's going to be people there, other people there. They're going to try to criticize. They're going to try to be contrary. They're going to try to be on the other side no matter what. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad, especially hopefully it's not anybody uh, in here that you have these feelings about. But I think that we can all uh, associate, not all, most of us can associate with if we've been a Christian for any amount of time. There are those people, those others sometimes, that are always on, not always, most of the time, most of the time on the other side regardless. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if you feel like this is what you should do or this is the right thing, there are going to be others who are always here. They're, they're never, yeah, that sounds good, that sounds great, that's wonderful, that's a good cause, that's a good strike. No, 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 no. If it's you doing it, they're going to be here. If this is where you're going, no, this is, this is the better path, this is the right path. There, there are going to be those people that are criticizing. And again, Jesus was doing something that was right, supernatural. God sent him to do this work, and he's doing this. And some were saying, listen, he's doing this in Beelzebub's name. But others, tempting him, sought from him a sign from heaven. Again, it's never good enough. He just, oh, okay, well, he just delivered somebody. Show us a sign from heaven. Make it, make, make it rain blue rain, you know. Fire and brimstone, come on, do it, do it now. Show us the sign. For, he, he just healed a man. And again, for some, it's never good enough. And so I want to encourage you with this. For the some of them that come along and for the others, for those that are, that are criticizing, for those that's never good enough, for those, those things, don't let them get you off course. Don't listen to them. Stay the course, stay in the will of God, by the word of God, through the spirit of God, and keep on keeping on. If you're doing it in the sincerity of your heart, if you're doing it right, if you're going the right direction, don't let these people knock you off course. But look what Jesus does. How does he respond? Well, he's got a little advantage over us, and so look what he does. But he, knowing their thoughts, he knew their thoughts. We don't know people's minds, even though sometimes we think we know people's minds. We don't know their minds. Uh, he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought into desolation. And a house divided against itself falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, then how shall his kingdom stand? 
Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, then by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. He says, so listen, you know that a kingdom divided against itself can't stand, and, and, and again, a house uh, divided is going to fall. That's the reality. reality. So if, if I am casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, and you say that I'm inspired by, you know, by Satan, and I'm doing it under, under the influence of, of the enemy, but your sons, your, your prophets, your, your, your guys, your people are doing it as well. They're casting out demons. It's the same thing. It's the same cause. And if you're saying that we're on opposite sides, how can that kingdom stand? It's, it, it's impossible. It's an impossibility for it to be successful. And he says, so let, those, let, your own, let your own people, let your own examples be your judges. And so he goes on. He says, but if I, I love this, with the finger of God, that's, I love that. With the finger of God, cast out devils, devils. No doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. But look as he goes on to illustrate this. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, when a strong man armed keepeth his, guards his palace, his goods are at peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh away from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divided his spoils. And then listen to the words of the Lord. He that is not with me is against me. And then look at an even stronger statement. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth. When I was at, at Tarleton, right out of high school, went to, to play baseball at Tarleton State University. And I was 18 years old. I was, uh, I was zealous to, to have a successful baseball career. And as a freshman, I was, I was, out, I was, I was going to just give my best and um, try to play baseball. And um, there were a couple of things that they did that, you know, coming from a senior in high school, you, you can you kind of learn to navigate certain things, and, and then you get to college, and then they just throw all those things away, just blow your mind. For instance, one time, uh, we, we had to go out. Every other day, we were playing either a, a non-inning scrimmage and then going out and, and, and running, or we were going out and running and then running again. We'd go out and run three miles and then come back and do, uh, well, work in the weight room, go run three miles, come back, and just do sprints until the coach said that was enough. And so this was one of those times, and I was just wore plumb out. And I did the weight room, did the three miles. Many of you know I hate running. I hate it with a passion. Uh, so went out three miles, came back. I was dead tired. We're Okay, we're going to go out on the, in the field. We're going to do sprints. Um, and so we went out there, and, you know, the coaches, they know the players. They were recruiting them. They know what they have. And so we got about three or four or five, I don't remember how many, I was dead tired. And they, they just stopped it. They shut it down. And they said, all right, everybody come in. And they said, some of you are lo loafing. Some of you are not giving your all. These sprints, you're supposed to be getting faster. You're supposed to be giving your all every single sprint. And so I want that every single time. Sprint as hard as, hard as you can. And uh, he said, so matter of fact, what we're going to do is in every group, because they broke us down, pitchers and catchers, outfielders, infielders, Every group, whoever wins that round, you're done. Well, man, 18-year-old, young, freshman, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting done with this stuff. You know, I'm getting done with this running. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the very first one out there, you know. And uh, so here they go. The pitchers go first. Sure enough, you know, we, we kind of step up next. And, and I see 
everybody else who didn't win, win, come around to the back of the line. They're going to run again. The guy who won is sitting over there on the ground. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's what I'm doing next. So here we go. We get up there. Because uh, let me explain. I was about third every time, about third, fourth every time. Um, because, you know, when you're a senior in high school and you kind of learn to navigate some of those things, you just, you just kind of do what you need to do to get through. They weren't having that there. And so we start off, and I go, you know, at first, no, no question. You know what the coach did right after that group? Everybody come in here. Some of you have been loafing. You know? <laughs> I could feel myself getting redder and redder and redder, you know. Like, oh, no. And I could feel like guys looking at me, and I'm like, oh, this is the worst, you know. And... Um, so we had to get back up, and we ran some more, you know, and, uh, and I was running too. So, uh, but that was one instance, okay, to, to prove this point. The other one was we had, we had study hall at 6.30 every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 6.30 in the morning, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for a college student, you know, and uh, this is before everything else happens. Well, I would come home on the weekends, and I would stay the night, Sunday night, and I would get up. I had to be gone by 5.15 on, on Monday morning uh, to get there and to be at study hall. And that was booking it. And, um, and so one day, I, on Monday, I woke up at 5.15. I had to be gone by 5.15. I woke up at 5.15. My baseball stuff's in the dry. I had to go get the dry. I'm, I'm flying out the door. It wasn't until like 5.30 until I left. Well, I knew I was going to be late. I pulled into that parking lot, and it was like 6.35. And so, well, well that's not bad, 6.30. No, no, no. If you're there at 6.30, you're late. That was, the, that was the thing. And so you're earlier on time. If you're on time, you're late. So I was like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. Every single person, all starters, all seniors, all fresh, everybody, everybody had to be there at 6.30. If you were not, there was a consequence. I didn't know necessarily what the consequence was, but they just said, don't be late. You don't have to worry about it. Well, I didn't intentionally be, I wasn't intentionally late. I just got there late. They said, if you show up at 6.30, don't even bother coming in because it's the same as you never came. I was like, man, all right, I got it. So get it there at 6.35. I'm in the parking lot, and I'm like, should, should I test him in that? You know, should, should, should I go in at 6.35 and just see if he was, like, good? And I was like, no, I'm just going to take the man at his word. If you're late, you know, okay, all right, I'm just going to take the consequence. Um, but the question is why? Why would that happen? Why all seniors, all starters, everybody, why does everybody have to be there at the same time? Um, there's a, a, there was a purpose. Number one, to make sure that our schoolwork got, got done. Because if we weren't passing, we weren't going to play. Um, so yes, but there was a greater purpose in all of that. And the greater purpose was unity. I was late one time. Some of the people there, they were late often. And they were having consequences every single week. Um, but one time is all it took for me because what happened was that was on a Monday. So all week long, they don't say nothing about it all week long. You know, I'm showing up Wednesday. I was there early, 6:20. Friday, 6:15, whatever, you know, all through practice, you know, I'm giving my all. I'm like, look, you know, giving everything I have Friday after practice, after saying nothing all week, Hey, all week long. Good job. There's more job. Hey, good job. Everything's good. We're hunky dory. Friday, and, and Rochelle, mom and dad come down. No, it wasn't Friday. It was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. 
we scrimmaged. We were having intramural scrimmage and stuff. And so I, I'm, I just got done playing nine innings, and, and, and we get out there, and guess what happens? Good job, guys. Good job. All right. Dinsmore, so-and-so, so-and-so, meet us on the practice field. Immediately, stomach, heart, everything. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. So I go up to my, my mom and dad and Rochelle. I'm like, um, I don't know how long I'm going to be, but I, I got to go back here, you know. So they go over. Some of these, again, one time, only time, never done this before. There's about five of us. They get us over there on the practice field. And they said, all right, this is what we're going to do. You'll see the practice field. You're going to run around this practice field. Go get your tire. And I was like, what? the other four guys, Doo! they'd done this before. They, they knew what the drill was. And I, I'm like, whoa, hey, hey. And I was like running with them. You know why they were running? They were going over to get the smallest and lightest tires. <laughs> so you know what I was left with? A truck tire. A regular truck tire. I walked over, I was like, oh, no. You know, you know, and so I had to pick that thing up, you know. And so we carry over, we get our tires, all right, put it above your head and start running. <laughs> what? So I get that truck tire and put it up over my head, and I'm like this, you know, using the arm. Get your arm straight. Get your arm straight and run. So I had to get my arm straight all the way up and run. I made it halfway down the first baseline. Try to run with a truck tire over your head with your arm straight. It doesn't last very long. I made it down halfway down the baseline, and, and it got down to back here. I made it to the foul pole, and it was around my neck. <laughs> the coach had us running like that until he got tired. The other guys who got the little golf cart tire, whatever, <laughs> they, they were sprinting around the field. Two times around the field, they're like, all right, Bob, you're in. You know, you're done. I'm halfway around the field with this truck tire, you know, and... Um, it was miserable, but I learned the importance of unity, and I learned the importance, well, all throughout sports, uh, the importance of unity, but in an eternal and an even greater way, in the time of being a Christian and being in the ministry, I've seen the greater importance of unity in the church, and so this, this morning, point number one is this, unity is the recipe for power. You have to know this, that when God moves or wants to move, unity is usually always attacked. Let me say that again. When God, when God moves or wants to move, unity is usually always attacked. In the home, God has great plans for your home, your Christian home. He wants to do great things in your home and through your home in connection with his church. He wants to move. But guess what's going to happen? Unity is going to be attacked. Mom and dad kids and, 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 and parents, it's going to be attacked. The enemy's going to come in and try to divide and get that home separated and not unified. Try to start reading the Bible, start praying together, start being more devoted to God, start being more serving God. Guess what? Unity's going to be attacked. Again, same thing in the church. A very clear truth is spelled out by the Lord. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself falleth. So if unity is the recipe for power, then very clearly division is the recipe for weakness. And this is true for us individually as well. If you look at your life, your relationship 
with the Lord, if you're fractured in your relationship with God, if you're not in unity with the Lord, and even with his body, because you can't separate the two, if you're not in unity with the Lord and his body, then guess what? You're going to be weak, and the body's going to be weak. We're going to be fragmented from our, our strength, and we're going to be more susceptible to destruction in our life, individually and, again, through the body. You may be an arm in this church, in this body, and you may be a strong arm, but I promise you this, you're not nearly as strong as two legs and two arms in an entire body together. And so again, to be fractured, to be, so you know, it's okay, I'm still a strong, no, 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 no. You're not everything that God's intended for you to be. You're not experiencing the power that God intends for you to experience, and not only that, the body to experience without being in unity, because strength is found in unity. Strength is found in unity. Find that, see it in your home. What happens whenever there's, there's fracture and, and fragmenting in the home? You, you feel, it feels weak. You feel uh, like everything's falling apart. It's not good. It, it just feels, but when you're in unity, when you're, there's strength, there, there's, there's, there's encouragement. Same thing in the church. See, in the church, every part gets its strength from the head, who, of course, is Christ, because he is our strength. You got a very powerful statement there, verse, 20, verse 23 I want you to look at it because this is, this is powerful. He says, he that is not with me is against me. See, without unity with Christ, there's only enmity with Christ. In other words, if we are in, in unity with Christ, then we are, set, we, we are at, at odds with him. Think about that. We are at odds with Christ if we're not unified with him. And just as powerful as this, he that gathereth not with me scattereth. In other words, here's the truth in this. Please listen. If you aren't helping the cause of Christ, if you aren't helping, what's the cause of Christ? He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. If you aren't helping the cause, winning the lost, listen, you're aiding them staying away. Did you get that? That's what he says. He that gathereth not with me, scattereth. So if you aren't helping the cause of winning the lost, of bringing them in, you're helping them stay lost. Think about that. Here I am, a child of God. I've been saved by His grace. And Jesus, the Lord, the Savior Himself says, if you aren't helping my cause, my kingdom, if you aren't unified, if you aren't sprinting your hardest, if you aren't showing up where you're supposed, if you're not helping the cause overall when it's fun and on the field or when it's not fun and it's it's in the training every single time if you aren't helping the cause you're hurting the cause think about that jesus says if you're not helping gather the lost in if you're not helping do what i came to do to seek and to save that which is lost if you're not helping my cause you're hurting me you're you're you're, you're helping the enemy even further Get, get this, you're making it harder for them to be one. You're scattering them. That's, that's, a, that's a severe indictment. Very, very clearly. See, we want a Christianity that's just good. You've heard me say this before. We just want a golden ticket. I just want to know that I'm going to heaven. That's really all that matters to me. No, 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 no. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you're, if you're with me, you're supposed to be helping gather. Because if you're not helping gather, you're helping the enemy scatter. 
Very clear. This is not my words. This is Jesus' words. He's saying this. There's two teams. There's mine and there's Satan's. You're either on my team, helping my team, you in unity, helping my team and my cause. You're either doing that or you're helping the enemy's team. Whoa, I don't, I don't like that. No, it's very clear. You're either on one side working for that side or you're on the other side working for that side. He said, well, can, can I be on this side and not work for this side, not give my all for this side, not be a part of the team, not be in unity, not give my best on this team. Can I be on this team and not help this team? No. You're either on my side helping the kingdom of God or you're against me helping the other side, the kingdom of the enemy. Very convicting and, and sobering reality here. But again, it may, he makes it clear, and he's making no bones about it. And, and, and I'm preaching and I'm teaching this, and I promise you this. I, I know for some people, it, it's not popular. It's not good. I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to, to have to. I just want my golden ticket and go to heaven. I don't want to have to do other stuff. Look, you don't have to do anything to go to heaven. It's not about that. But once you say, yes, Lord, I'm yours, Lord. Paul said, you're no longer yours. Because you're bought with a price. And so we are to be helping the cause of Christ. Actively helping, actively gathering, actively shining our light. Actively letting the glorious gospel that shined in our hearts shine to those that are lost. Lest the God of this world keep them in darkness. And so again, if we're not helping the cause, we're hurting the cause of Christ. So how about you today? I don't really like the boat being rocked. I don't really like changing. I don't really want to do anything that I'm not. I can just go to church. I can just give my tithe. I can just do this, and, and I'll be fine. I don't want to have to. No, no, no. We're either helping build the kingdom of God, or we're helping destroy it. Did you hear that? We're either helping build the kingdom of God, or we're helping destroy it. That hurts my heart to think about. It's the only two options Jesus gave. You're either helping me or you're hurting me. You're helping my cause or you're hurting my cause. We have too, too much emphasis on a convenient and comfortable Christianity in our minds today. We've got brothers and sisters all over the world dying as they're living out their faith in the face of persecution. And they know the cost. But they counted it before they gave their life to Christ. They knew that they would enter into an eternal life with him when they gave their life to him. See, in our American Christianity, we, we want our cake and eat it too. We, we want to go to heaven, and we still want to live our life for us. Jesus said, no, 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 nope, can't do that. If you want to be mine, I want you to be mine. As a matter of fact, I, I died for you to be mine. But I won't force you. Once, you. once you are mine, you are mine. And I want you to serve me in my kingdom. I want you to be about my, I want you to not, not have that earthly and sinful mindset and that fleshly and, and selfish mindset, but I want you to have, as Brother Jeffrey said this morning, I want you to have the mind of Christ. He took upon him a for, the form of a servant and became obedient even unto death. 
It's, a, it's, a, it's about making sure that we are, am I really on Christ's team? You hear this morning say, yeah, I'm no doubt on Christ's team. No doubt in my mind. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. There's no question about it. Then you've got to answer the question that Jesus just said here. He just posed the two opposite sides. You're either gathering with me or you're scattering. You're either helping my cause and my kingdom or you're hurting it. Where are you this morning? Are you helping gather for the kingdom of God? Are you helping the cause of Christ or are you hurting it? And as I said, many times people say, I'm not, I don't think I'm hurting anybody. I'm, I'm just trying to live a good life. I'm trying to live a life that's clean and, and, and that, that, that pleases God. I mean, I, I come to church and I, and I just try to be a good person, try to hurt anybody. I, I, I definitely don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody. It's not what Jesus said. It's not what he said. I mean, that's a good thing. Those are the right things to do is to, to, to live your life in obedience to the Lord. And I mean, I don't know if we'll get to that this morning, but I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to be a stumbling block to anybody. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, you're either helping me in my kingdom to gather and build it, or you're helping the enemy. You're hurting my cause. Again, it's not fun, but God help us. God help us. God help us our comfort, our laziness. And please listen to this, our own interpretation of what following Christ means has robbed us and deceived us from so much. So there's so many different voices out there, so many different people that can tell you it's not a problem if you don't do this. It's okay if you do this. It's not a big deal if you're not a part of that. It's, not, it's okay if you miss this, if you miss that. There's so many people with so many different opinions, but I'm telling you right now what God's Word says, not my opinion, not what anybody else says. I'm telling you what God's word says. And our own comfort, our own laziness, our own interpretations have robbed us of so much of what God intends as his children. And when will we say enough? Will we ever say enough? We'll just continue to coast on in our own version of Christianity. When I say that, I mean following Christ. Or will we say, you know what, this is what God's word says. And I need to align with that as a child of God. I need to align with that. Not with what somebody else says or somebody else thinks or anything. I need to get in line with him, with his program, and start helping gather. We have to be in unity with the Lord. We have to be in unity with our head, Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 1, same book was mentioned this morning. Verse 27 says this. Only let your conversation become the gospel of Christ goes on to say, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together. We must be striving together with one mind. It's only through this unity of identity, this unity of purpose, this unity of mission, that we're going to see power and victory in our lives. Only way. Only way that we're going to see power in the church is through unity. The only way we're going to see God do the things that he wants to do now on this earth for his kingdom is through unity. It's through his church. It's through his gospel. It's through getting that great commission accomplished. It's what he set up. It's not something man conjured up. It's not, some, uh, it's not a, a, an idea of man. It's God's ordained plan. So we can either get on board, be in unity, or we can keep working against 
the very kingdom that we're a part of. How does that fare for people in our military? How does that fare for people of part of any other kingdom or any other team? If we talked about sports already this morning. Think about a sports team. Had, had, I, had I not changed and gotten in line and, and, and gave myself 100% every single sprint, had I not changed and been there early for every study hall, had I not shown that I was 100% on board with what the coach said we had to all do, all of us, you think that I would have stayed on that team? No way. Because I know the guys that were getting cut, and there's no way. Those guys that were out there on that field running around with tires every time, every week, because they couldn't get to study hall in time, guess you know how many of those made that team? They couldn't get a line. And the same thing. You think it's okay if we are not in line in unity with what the cause of Christ is in the kingdom of God? No way. Working against it if we're not working for it. And I know that's not popular. It's not easy for our fleshly ears to hear. We're drawing nigh to the, the, the king's return. The king is coming. He's coming back. And we're getting closer and closer. And if we don't start getting serious and more motivated about the things of God and about his cause than we ever have before, and we're going to miss so much. Your devotion to your job is important. It's how you prov- God's blessed you to provide for your family, to get food on the table, to, to, to all the things that, that God's provided. Your devotion to your job is important. But your devotion to your job should not be anywhere near your devotion to Christ. No one at your job died on a cross, shed their blood to give you eternal life. Your family. It's important. We need to make sure and take care of our family, love our family, do all those things. But there's no one in your family, your blood family, that died on a cross to take away your sins and give you eternal life. We need to be devoted to our families, but not more than to our Lord. So I don't like that. I don't think that's right. Jesus said that. Unless a man hate his mother, father, which means love less. Mother, father, sister, brother, his wife, husband, yea, in his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. That's what Jesus said. He's got to be first and above all. Devotion to him. I want to stop there this morning. We'll have to finish this up another time. I want to ask the musicians to come. But I want to ask you this morning as they make their way. Are you helping the cause of Christ again? Are you hurting it? Are you, when you, when you look at your life, you say, man, I, I, I'm unified with, with my family. I'm unified at my job. I am a team player at my job. I'm a team leader at my job. I, I, I'm willing to do anything for my family so that we stay close. All, that's great, good. But it's not more important than making sure that you're in unity with Christ, with his body with his kingdom, with his cause. And again, I think we've got to answer that question this morning. Am I there? Am am I in unity 
Am I helping or hurting? Am I gathering or scattering? Where am I in my life? Are you going through? I got my golden ticket and that's all that matters to me. No, 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 that's not what Jesus said. I ask you this morning, answer, answer that in your own heart or answering it in, in response to this message. Maybe you want to come down this morning and say, God, I'm sorry. I am a part of that group that is trying to live a, a comfortable Christian life. I, I'm, I, I'm, uh, you sing a song, I don't want to be a casual Christian. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a casual. What's a casual Christian? You can't follow Christ at your convenience. No, we can't do that. Maybe you say, you know what? I'm tired of that because I want power in my life. I want to see God's power in our family. I want to see God's power in my everyday life. I want to see God's power. I'm a part of this. I want to be, see God's power through this church. I need to get in line 100% individually and in our family. We need to be 100% unified so power is realized and experienced. And if you're here this morning, and as I said earlier, if you've never given your life to Christ, you maybe never realized what God did. He said he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his life for you so you could have eternal life. Because sin is going to take the life eternally of every person who's not, that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's going to come. I mean, whether it be by death or when he returns, there's going to be a separation. Those that are on the narrow path will spend eternity with him in heaven. Those on the broad path, you can guarantee it, will spend eternity in a place called the lake of fire. That's reserved for Satan and his demons. God doesn't want anybody to go there. That's why he died in your place. And so if you're here and you've never surrendered your life to him, I beg you to come this morning. Be a part of his kingdom. Be a part of his, his program. It's the only one that leads to everlasting life. So I ask you to come. There'll be ministers down here, and you could just come down here and say, you know what, I've never, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never been saved. I want to be on that narrow path. I want to go to heaven when I die. Tell them that, and they'll show you in God's word how, how that can happen. But for us Christians, let's, let's stop playing. Let's stop thinking that we're helping the cause. If we're really not helping gather, really not helping the cause of Christ, let's, th- let's stop deceiving ourselves and, and living a lazy or comfortable Christian life. Let's really see, you know what? I need to be more devoted to gathering in the kingdom of God because if I'm not, I'm, hurt, I'm helping scatter and hurting his cause. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the conviction that you've given to me, Lord, that the challenge that you've given me. Lord, I, I don't want to live uh, in, in any way uh, driven by comfort or, or, or casual uh, mindset or heart set. Lord, every, every day of my life, I, I want to live with it focused on, on you. God, I, I want to make sure that every opportunity I have, Lord, I'm using it to gather for your kingdom. Lord, to be a light, to be an ambassador be a vessel, all those things that you've called us to be, to help your kingdom. Be unified. Help us, God, this morning to be unified. Lord, that your kingdom be built. Lord, I ask you to move now. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.